What does pocho mean? It's basically someone of Mexican descent who mostly identifies with American culture. It doesn't mean historian or anthropologist or anything like that. So although TJ and Stephen will try to be as accurate as possible, please remember that they're not experts. Stephen, I think they're a national chain. Are are you familiar with Panera Bread Company oh, yeah. or whatever the hell it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panera is everywhere. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, I'm very familiar. I hate them. <laughs> I take that. I've eaten there. I've eaten there a handful of times. Unless TJ, they're a sponsor. Oh, comes spitting fire, throwing shade. Yeah. Um. Every time I eat there, I hate them more. Uh, the, the first time I ever ate there, I think I had like their tomato bisque and it basically tasted like marinara sauce. Like I was eating oh. marinara sauce with a spoon. I mean, um, I ain't mad at that, but at least I'd want some bread or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and then I don't remember if it's Panera, but their cookies suck. I'm pretty sure it's Panera. And just every, every experience I've had has left me disappointed. And so I went by yesterday, um, Eli's sick, my one of my sons here, um, and I, I went to get him some chicken noodle soup, and I'm there, and I'm like, hey, okay, you know what, let me, I'm going to get a sandwich, cool, they've got something that looks like a pizza in a sandwich, it's a pepperoni, marinara, mozzarella, yeah. blah, 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 blah. There is... You know how thin pepperonis are, like regular pepperonis? Yes. There is literally one layer of pepperoni across the the bread. And then there's just like cheese and red sauce on there. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this up to you. Oh, he's actually got Can it. Can you there. see that? What? That's the sandwich? That's the sandwich. The, the, tell tell the world what you see. So it's legitimately just soaked sloppy bread and cheese. And then there is like, like you would find on a, uh, on a pizza, I can see a single pepperoni, just like and, the and thin, teeny, so tiny the, the thing. pepperoni to bread ratio in, in a good sandwich, the meat to bread ratio might be one to one. If it's a great sandwich might be, you know, three to one, two to one more bread than, than meat. Right. If it's, if it's a good sandwich, an okay sandwich, you know, what's, what's my ratio here? Uh, legitimately 20 to one. Like not, I, I was gonna say fifty to one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's bread with the with the sprinkling of pepperoni flavor on it is, yes. is all I'm eating here. It's trash. I hate Panera. <laughs> well, TJ, you know what I remember Panera the most about? You and I went to lunch at Panera. I, I don't know, fifteen years ago. Literally, I cannot remember. It was so long ago. Uh, but this moment is cemented in my brain. I had just gone to the doctor and you and I are just having lunch. Like we're hanging out because we were, we're, we're friends as well as brothers. And, uh, so I'm just telling you, like I went to the doctor and the nurse had gotten mad at me. It was weird. So you know how you get the normal checkup and she goes and she looks in my ears and she says, Hmm, very clean ears. <laughs> like she said it as if that's a bad thing. Right. Right. So number one, that sounds like, thanks and but number two it sounds bad and so i'm just like it also I, sounds like you're in trouble yeah right and so i was like um thanks she goes no that means that you're using the q-tips 
in your ears, aren't you? Ooh, busted. And I said, yes, that whenever I take a hot shower, I feel like water in my ears and I got to dry it out. Like I just wrote, she's like, well, be careful because you can, uh, you can like hurt your ears while doing that. So I'm telling you this story when our food is called like, you know, our order is up and you and I walk up to the counter of Panera bread. And this is literally, literally the the next thing that happened. And it's cemented in my brain. We walk up and I'm finishing this story. And the person behind the counter says, oh no, what's really true. My brother did that, used to do that. And he had to go to the (laughs) hospital and they took earwax out of his ear. And it looked like an eraser because it had been jammed in there so much. And they pulled earwax out. Anyway, here's your soup. (laughs) (laughs) you and i you do you not remember this at all i don't remember that at all oh my gosh and i just remember standing there like you and i just looking at each other i'm like we were just like oh yeah (laughs) and we walk away and you're like what just why why would you tell us (laughs) anyway here's your soup (laughs) i'm surprised that i don't remember this because i'll tell you what i'm a big advocate for the non-Q-tip in the ear. I've known that for for decades. I don't use Q-tips in my ear. Every now and again, like you said, sometimes if it just feels too wet in there or whatever, I'll like do it and I'll feel naughty doing it. Like, oh my God, I'm putting the Q-tip in my (laughs) ear right now. You know what I mean? But I know that you can't do that. I mean, when I say I do it every now and again, it's definitely not every day. It's not every week. It's not every month. It's like a couple times a year. I'll like, and I'll be real careful to like scrape around and not jam it in. Cause yeah, I've heard that. I've heard you can't do that. I, I, every day, every, well, Here, anyway, here's your soup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, I do it every day. I, I spin it like you're saying. So I don't like, I'm not jamming it straight in there. I'm like gently spinning it inward. And so it's just kind of like no, picking up everything no, on the I rim. Don't, I don't spin been i i circle like not not rotate but like i move it like the hands that's what i mean by spin like i don't mean like 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 a drill spin i mean like i i i wrote okay okay. sure rotate whatever you want whatever you want to say but you don't you don't jam it in no you don't you don't jam it in uh but yes uh yes listeners uh here's your soup Trying to find their roots. They're learning about their heritage, so let's all have some fun. It's the Pocho Podcast with Steve and TJ Valdez. Uh, um, Valdez. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pocho Podcast. Mexican-Americans still figuring out what that means. TJ, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Life is good. How are you living? I'm 40. That's how I'm living. I'm 40. Oh, happy birthday. You're 40. You're recently returned from Disneyland. Yeah, man. How was it? Oh, it was so, so much fun. Other than I'm a little bit bitter that my favorite ride was closed, Haunted Mansion. And then I don't understand how that's anybody's favorite ride. I really don't. 
Oh, it's, it's just because it's the best. That's that's why. But, uh, you know, I understand that not everybody realizes that. No, the reality is I have a little emo kid that lives inside my heart. And so I love anything that's kind of like spooky. But, like, I don't just love the ride Haunted Mansion. Like, I love everything about it. I bought, I think, like, $40 in Haunted Mansion pins. And then I bought a $50. You can see it behind me right here, yeah. TJ. Jack a $50 a Haunted Mansion pin. No, right here, this part. So it's this right here is my uh, is my Jack Skellington. No, print, not pin. This is my Jack Skellington oh. calendar. This is it's a painting done by like an artist of the Haunted Mansion, and it's got like the three hitchhiking ghosts in front. Uh, but it's a print. It's because you're a huge fan of the Eddie Murphy movie, right? I don't know what you're talking about. What movie? The Eddie Murphy movie, The Haunted Mansion. No, that, that never. What I don't know what you're talking about. That's not a thing. That never happened. You're doing a bit. You're doing a I bit. Don't, what? Okay, I no, yeah. nothing. <laughs> no, there is no such thing. There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is hot, literal hot garbage. Quite literal hot garbage. <laughs> the the Eddie Murphy stock. We're getting off topic already here, but the Eddie Murphy stock was like top. Top in the, the, the 80s to late 80s. And I don't know of anybody that plummeted farther and faster than any Eddie Murphy. And, well, not, and then and he not became donkey. Well, donkey. He became donkey, right? And so he's like, okay, cool. You're donkey. You're, you're the family movie guy now. Let's cast you in the Haunted Mansion. Because Pirates of the Caribbean worked. So Haunted Mansion must work too. It didn't work. No. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. It was so bad, guys. It is so bad. Don't don't see it. Don't see it. Uh, just legitimately don't don't let it ruin taint the beauty of Haunted Mansion. I want Disney to make a legit Haunted Mansion movie and I want it to be rated PG-13 because I want them to take some risks and make it genuinely spooky like they did with um Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hunchback of Notre Dame is PG-13 because there's yeah, some that's a good movie. There's some spooky moments in that thing, it's man. Dark. And there's also yeah. a song about how uh, attracted Frollo is to Esmeralda, a whole song about how he blames uh, the devil for causing him to lust for her. Like <laughs> it's, it gets a little rapey at times. Yeah. yeah it, a little, a bit. little bit, you know, just a little bit, yeah, but uh, it's a good movie, man. It's a good movie. And the music. Oh, but Oh, uh, uh, quick other thing about Disneyland. Then we'll actually get started. It's the hundredth anniversary. And so the fireworks show at the end, which if you guys have never seen a Disneyland fireworks show in the past, like 15 years, it's no longer just fireworks. They're now projecting things onto Main Street all around you. And so it's... No shit. I was just there. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's spectacular. And so there's like all kinds of stuff going on all around you. They project things onto to Aurora's Castle, a Sleeping Beauty's Castle in the front. And then there's also the music and the words and the fireworks and everything like that. But... They had a 100th anniversary because it's the 100th anniversary of Disney. Disney is officially 100 years old in 2023. They had the 100th anniversary fireworks show and I was near tears. Like it was just so much nostalgia, so much beauty, so many things that I love so deeply then all mixed together. Like they had uh, Moana and Belle and Hercules' like main songs uh, mixed together into a melody about, and it's, it was all three of them just wanting something more out of life. And these songs, like all three of these songs, were melodied together. And oh, it was so good. And then they did that with a few other of them too, like songs that actually sort of have uh, similar themes. They made melodies out of them, and you could tell that they actually brought back the vocalists to sing the song to make these melodies together. And man, it was so so good. 
I was there over Christmas time and we saw a, I saw all the hundred year anniversary swag and I'm like, Oh, we must've just missed that. I didn't realize that we just missed it on the other end that we were actually early for the celebration. But, um, but we saw the, uh, I'm not a Disney dude. Like you're a Disney dude. You went to school in Southern California. And so you were there all the time. And Literally you, hundreds you know of times. that stuff. Literally hundreds of I, times. And so I don't know the names of everything, but we saw the other light shows. Um, the one that's on the river with the Tom Sawyer Island in the middle and, and uh, the Fantasmic. cruise. Yeah. We saw the Fantasmic and then we saw the one in California adventure that was all Christmas themed. World of color. Um, oh, Christmas themed. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it, it was be, like Christmas show, holidays yeah. of color or world of holidays. Or it was yeah. world of color, but Christmas themed. Um, that was pretty cool. Not just Christmas themed, I should be fair. I think they showed like Hanukkah stuff. I don't know if they showed Kwanzaa stuff or not, but they it was like holiday, holiday themed. Yeah. themed. Yeah, those were cool. Those are very cool. I Disney, I think, must have invented projecting onto water and it never ceases to amaze me how cool it is. I like know. using water as a projecting screen. Like I'm like, whoa, that's kind of dope. Uh, yeah. in California adventure across the street, they were celebrating, uh, lunar new year and like legitimately it was the whole park other than, uh, like Avengers campus, cars land and Pixar pier, like the actual lands were their own thing still, but every path and walkway and anything that was just sort of general California themed, it was all lunar new year. Uh, Mulan was the highlight, uh, Mulan and, uh, Mushu were the highlight characters, uh, throughout the whole thing. There was the Mulan parade. Uh, they had pop-up booths that were selling Asian food and you could get like a little pass that it was 45 bucks and had six tabs and you could pull off a tab, walk up to a place, hand it to them and said, I'd like one of those please. And they would just give it to you. So you could sample all this Asian food from, you know, that's very cool. Yeah. It was super duper cool. And they were even like attentive enough to say, Hey, it's the year of the rabbit in China and these countries, but it also happens to be the year of the cats in Vietnam and these other countries. So we're, we're celebrating both cats and rabbits while you're here. So you get like Judy hop stuff, a ton of Judy hop stuff there with, uh, like, and she's in like Lunar New Year garb and red and yellow garb, the Chinese flag uh, colors. And then there was also uh, different cats, you know, and things like that. So it was super cool. And, and before we started recording, we talked about the, the build your own lightsaber thing. I'm not sure if that's actually in, um, like where the park it's located, if it's in the galaxy's um, edge, Star see, Wars I land. just wanted you to say that because that shows that you're a, a geek. You called it star Wars land finally, but I just thought it was interesting that you said Avengers campus. I would have just said Avengers land Pixar pier. I probably would have said Pixar pier because it's the alliteration there, but I just wanted to see if you were going to say galaxy's edge, or if you were going to say star Wars. Land. <laughs> and you did, you, 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 you fully, uh, Disney nerded it, uh, up and said, uh, galaxy's edge. So Absolutely, good for you. I man. love I love that you're a Disney nerd and you own it, man. And to me, it's not like I am, I am, I am a Disney movie nerd. I love Disney movies. I have a lot of nostalgia. I have a lot of love for them, but more so than that, I am a Disneyland nerd. I was telling Jackie, I miss, if I have any old friends listening to this, I love you very, very much. I miss Disneyland more than I miss my old friends in Southern California. <laughs> well, and you had an annual pass. You guys would just go, right? Yeah, literally like, twice a week, uh, you know, things like that. Hundreds of times. It's not a joke when I say that. So, uh, and non-blackout. And you so, can't do that anymore. 
No. Uh, well, you can, but you have to make reservations. There, there's like a season pass, but then you go in and you like there's a calendar and you say, I want to go these days. And they'll purposely black out different days depending on what the the crowd has been like. Because Disneyland... Hey, this is today's episode, guys. The topic today is Disneyland. Um, I, I could. I could right now. I could easily fill a 45-minute to one-hour episode with Disneyland trivia. But funny. Disney's in a really interesting uh, area, like uh, situation right now where they're so popular that their park is reaching capacity. And so fire code is a struggle, number one. Line waits are a struggle. So people will go, and because there's so many people, they wait in line for so long. They're, they're leaving with negative feelings, which Disney hates, doesn't want that because their long, lines are so long. So they're trying to find ways to, number one, limit the amount of people that are coming, and number two, make lines shorter. And That's easy. I know how to do that. The only way that they figured out how to do it is money. You got to raise prices. Raise yeah. the prices. So that that's they, their prices have been going up for the parks consistently every year. The prices are going up. And then number two, they created a lightning lane, which is a second line that you can go into more quickly. But you have to pay for the Disney Genie Plus stuff to be able to get in light, lightning lane. So it's... Um, it feels a little smarmy and a little bit rough and a little bit gatekeeping, no, but it's, it just feels capitalist. But but well, it's it's not. It's literally the only thing. There's no other option. They expand. They literally made uh, Galaxy's Edge to represent Star Wars, but also to expand the park, add more rides. They've added another ride in Toontown. Like they're they're genuinely their goal is they want. Well, there, people. there's other options. They can you can do what they're doing, and you can say we're going to allow X amount of people a day. And once the reservations are done, they're done and you don't have to raise prices. You can just do that. But if you're Disneyland, why not raise prices? No, you, because then you you're have... going to plan for Disney and it's going to be six months. Like, for example, they do that with the restaurants. You have to reserve the restaurants. And Jackie went in when she, she uh, planned this whole thing like three weeks ahead of our actual trip. And she was four months too late to get into a restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And you're right. You're going to have to do that. So you have two choices. You can either jack the prices up, which will end up being like Jurassic park, you know, where you, the, the line <laughs> of Jurassic park where he's like, Hey, I don't want this just to be like, you know, vacation for the super rich. And the lawyer's like, sure, we'll have coupon day, you know? Um, but it, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be Jurassic park eventually because Disneyland's quote unquote problem, which is a great problem to have, which is why I own stock in Disney, um, is that they have way more demand than supply. Yeah. And the and you can artificially cap that by, you know, only allowing a certain number of reservations, like you said, okay, now you're going to have to reserve months in advance or you have to jack the prices up and those are your only two options. My my legitimate thought is they need a Texas Disney. They need a middle America like like in the middle of America with not awful horrific weather problems like everything could freeze over or tornadoes or anything like that that yeah, tornadoes hurricanes yeah yeah that can pull in all like more people that can help take a, a third of the people who want to go to disneyland and disney world and they i mean what it's going to be 10 billion dollars to build a park they could sneeze that you know <laughs> so yeah, yeah. They, they, they would make that in the first day yeah, like, yeah. absolutely <laughs> like so I don't know if they will do that, but I honestly think that's their best answer right now is just build another Disneyland, man. Build Disney Texas. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or or like you said, like middle middle America too. That way you get the northern states, you know, not having to continue. Well, no, because that's tough. That the reason why they're all in the the southern coastal states is because it doesn't snow. You you know, right. so you can't go to Minnesota and build Disneyland there. You've got to stay in Texas. Yeah, Texas is probably the best answer. Yeah. Anyways, no, uh, we have to stop now. We have to Lego Ned. <laughs> <laughs> It's 20 minutes into the episode. I'm so sorry, everybody. Y'all got me talking about Disney, and I can't I can't not talk about Disneyland. TJ, what? And, and, and I'm not going to lie. I probably got about 3,500 words, so it's it's this might be a little bit longer of an episode, too. It's not. It's definitely not long enough to go into two, but right. it's not. It might be a little bit longer than typical. All right. So, Make all it right. happen, TJ. Yeah, let me jump in. What's our topic? Okay, so you inspired me with Selena last time, so today we're going to talk about the very uh, acclaimed and famed Mexican performer, Elvis Presley. Okay. So, Steve, going no. to Elvis. Nope. Do, do you remember <laughs> when you learned who Elvis was or like what his stature was or his fame? Do you remember like a moment of like Elvis Presley? Huh, I never heard of that dude before. Do you remember that? No. Because no. he, he's okay. just been the Me cultural either. zeitgeist of, of everything since the moment I can remember. But I did have and, that with and, my and, kids recently. There was a preview for that movie Elvis, you know, a year ago. And my kids are like, who's Elvis? I'm like, oh, dang, he's going out. Like, he's not in the zeitgeist anymore. Wow. So, yeah. So, spoiler alert, Elvis wasn't Mexican. Okay. Gasp! <laughs> Although they do say he had Cherokee in him, like a grandmother, great-grandmother or something. Anyways, sides point. Um, but I ask because I have a similar experience with today's subject. Um, oftentimes, funny enough, referred to as the Mexican Elvis, uh, perhaps most famously by Gabriel Fluffy Iglesias. Uh, today's subject is Vicente Fernandez. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So he, he was known as Mexican Elvis. He was known as Chente, which is just short for Vicente. Vicente yeah. Um, he, he's also been kind of called or, or generally referred to as the Sinatra of ranchera music sinatra is probably the one i saw maybe even more often than than elvis um the last living legend of the mexican ranchera el rey of ranchera music el idolo de mexico or simply the idol of mexico right this guy's kind of a big deal yeah so back to my elvis comparison steve when do you remember learning about vicente fernandez i don't like i don't right yeah yeah yeah. And, and here's, here's the really funny part, right? Um, this was actually written about in an obit in the New York times. And what's funny is all those notes that I just kind of like talked to you about that I have written here. I had all those written down before I read this right. in the New York times obit. And here's, here's what the excerpt is from their obit. You probably don't remember the first time you heard one of his songs because they were always part of the soundscape imprinted in your mind. His music is imbued in the fabric of the, uh, of American Latino culture, must, much like the rest of Latin America. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, yeah, that's, like, that's what I have written down in New York Times. Like, I, yes, same note too, bro. Like, yeah. So that's who he is. He's, he is Sinatra. He is Elvis. He is the greatest that ever was, is, or will be for Mexican ranchera mariachi type music. Um, today's kids, like like you just said with your kids and Elvis, they might have learned about him from Fluffy. Um, I'm proud to say that my kids just knew who he was before that because um, I used to blast uh, Volver, Volver with yeah. the windows down and dropping them <laughs> off at school just to make sure everyone knew that Mexicans went to school there too, you know? Um, you live in and, Southern Arizona. I think everybody knows. 
And until recently, the man was quite literally a living legend. Um, he died just over a year ago, December of 2021. Uh, we, we did touch on his story a little bit back in the Mariachi episode. Um, but as we mentioned back then, the, the guy deserves his own episode. I, I did go back and check, which was super easy because I have all my notes in one document. So I just scrolled back up and very quickly was able to find the notes that I had on him before. <clears throat> um, and I you could also just have that on another document that's titled. Oh, uh, then I'd have to go find it. It would have been difficult. It's in the same file. Like, had to go to just a file with no, all these. <laughs> no. It was so simple this way. It saved me at least 45 seconds doing it this way. At least. I don't um, believe that. I don't believe even that. TJ. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I only did a paragraph on Chente before, which is nice because hopefully that leaves me a lot of meat on the bone. And it's funny. You can see how that I basically write these notes in stream of consciousness because I say it hopefully leaves me a lot of meat on the bone after I already said that I've got like 3,500 words. words. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's some meat, you know, a little bit of meat there. Yeah. Okay. Vicente Fernandez Gomez was born on February 17th, 1940. Two notes there. What's the first thing you notice there? Ooh, um, it's mom's right. birthday. That's right. It's mom's birthday. I don't think I ever knew that. I looked at it and I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. He was born on mom's birthday. So get this mom, Vicente Fernandez, Michael Jordan, all born on the same day. So like the goat, the greatest of all time, <laughs> Vicente Fernandez and Michael Jordan share a birthday with her. That is awesome. And the goat mom of all time. Yeah. The, the, the goat mom. Mom is the greatest mom of all time. What? What's happening right now? You're just staring. You're blinking at me. You didn't hear a word I just said. Yes. No, you said the goats. Vicente Fernandez. No, no. I said the goat, the greatest of all time. Vicente Fernandez and Michael Jordan share a birthday with her. I I put commas in different places. You dangled your participle. No, I said goat singular. And then there was a period, and then I said, Chente and Jordan share a birthday with her. Okay. You didn't listen. Okay. I hate you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, also, I don't know that we ever covered this, uh, but again, I said Vicente Fernandez Gomez. If you don't know this already, Steve, I think you do, but... In Hispanic cultures, everyone has two last names. Right. I, I don't think we've ever covered this. I assume people know this, but I shouldn't assume that people know this. So your first last name is your apellido. That's your dad's name. And your if you're male, your you pass. Your mother's maiden. Right. But, but if you're male, you pass your first last name down to your kids, just like you would in, in English. Uh, the second last name is your mom's maiden name, uh, which you don't pass down. So you and I would be like Val- Valdez Gallardo. Yeah. And we would both pass down Valdez. Uh, my kids would be Valdez Hicks. Your kids would be Valdez Halstead. But the boys would pass down Valdez as, right. as yeah. Okay, so, yes, Vicente Fernandez Gomez, 
Um, and I don't know if this ever happened with you, but that actually created a lot of confusion back when I was in school with the like Mexico kids, the kids from Mexico that would come up because the American people that were enrolling them in the school would be like, okay, Vicente Gomez, that's your name. And from then on out, they were Vicente Gomez. And they're like, no, that's not my name. My yeah. name is Vicente Fernandez. Yeah. Gomez. What do you <laughs> And that's the wrong one. That's yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways, back to the story. Uh, so Vicente Fernandez Gomez was born in 1940. Um, here, I can tell you where he was born and I can make you try and guess the significance or I can just ask you right now if you have a guess as to where he might be born. I'm going to guess in, geez, Tepatitlan, Jalisco, Mexico. I hate you. (laughs) I pulled up his thing immediately, TJ. I don't know. Do you not do that? The moment you give me the topic, I want to peek in and see you could have just said you could have said oh i already know let me see if i can guess significant okay so steven what's the significance of that uh i'm gonna guess uh the jalisco music what you're thinking a boy yes you can be taught yes so (laughs) as you recall jalisco gave birth to son jalisciense which in turn gave birth to the modern mariachi music so not only is this where uh mariachi music really the, the home of mariachi music it's also the home of Vicente Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. Boom. All of a sudden, here we go, okay. Um, he was born to a working-class family. Uh, his dad was a rancher. His mom was a housewife. Uh, and, and according to uh, Chente himself, he often said that his earliest memories were going to the movies at like six or seven, seeing Pedro Infante, Jorge Negrete movies, and telling his mom, when I grow up, I want to be like them. And if you'll recall, these are two of the three, the tres gallos mexicanos who were the huge mariachi and movie stars back then. I just said movie stars like... Um, <laughs> movie stars. And uh, three amigos. Like, like movie, stars? <laughs> <laughs> movie stars? Movie stars? Um, the, the third is Javier Solis, uh, who will also make an appearance in our story later. Uh, but back to Chente. It's said that he reserved, he received his first guitar at age eight and quickly fell in love studying, studying, like really studying and learning the folk music of Mexico, Jalisco, forming the basis of his future in the ranchera music. Um, and it's weird. I, I haven't read anything about this, but it's hard to, to do research on him and not think of Coco. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much of it that, that's kind of intertwined, right? Not only could he be the influence for Ernesto de la Cruz, right. who was the greatest singer in all of Mexico. He had his charro outfit. He had his grito. And, right. and he had, Chente even had a guitar-shaped pool. You know, Did we, he really? We see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, which we see in the Land of the Dead in, in, in Coco. Um, but also, I, I think of Miguel as young Chente. Um, you know, Miguel's out here watching de la Cruz's movies, emulating his music, learning how to sing and play just like him. It really recalls Chente's own childhood learning. Specifically, Pedro Infante was the one that that he idolized, absolutely emulated him uh, out of the, the Tres Gallos. But <laughs> also, well, hold on, let me finish that. Anyways, you, you can see both where, where Chente could be the inspiration for, for both De La Cruz as well as... Um, as well as for Miguel. And mm-hmm. the really funny part about if he inspired De La Cruz is um, 
Vicente Fernandez actually admits he's only written a couple songs. He is right. a performer. He he sings. He he you know interprets the music. He doesn't write the music, which, as we learn later in the movie, isn't who De La Cruz was supposed to be, but who De La Cruz ended up being. Right. Um, Spoiler alert. And, and I giggled earlier when I when, when I mentioned the Tres Gallos. Um, there there were a couple of articles that I had to run through Google Translate, and tres gallos means the three roosters. Right. And under Google Translate, sometimes it <laughs> translates the cock. <laughs> and and I'm a 12 year old boy, so I giggled every time I saw it. And it was like the Mexican cock, and I'm like, okay. Yep. <laughs> I think I think what it said was um, they referred to him as the possible fourth Mexican cock, and. I'm like, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, that, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, more on that later. Um, <laughs> so after just a couple of years, uh, uh, a couple of short years after receiving his first guitar at eight years old, uh, Chente graduates high school and moves with his family to Tijuana. Uh, okay. He didn't actually graduate high school a couple of years after eight years old. <laughs> Um, his family's dairy farm just wasn't making a lot of money. So he drops out at fifth grade and moves to Tijuana with them and starts working to help support the family. But um, much like Selena before him, his parents were so concerned about education. They got him in a correspondence course, right? Yes, that's right. He was in a correspondence <laughs> course. Um, the, the, the correspondence course had an interesting title. It was dishwasher janitor waiter ditch yeah. digger shoe shiner construction worker um yeah a little bit he of everything had all of those jobs yeah um before he became an adult he had all of those jobs Man. like as a teenager right um and the funny thing is shoe shiner was one of those mm-hmm. just like miguel um at 14 he wins a singing competition and now all of a sudden he has the confidence to to really stand up in front of everyone and say like hey maybe I can actually sing so he starts performing restaurants weddings unpaid gigs but you know getting getting to sing in front of people which is what he really enjoyed doing um and also People said he was talented, right? Yeah. So knowing his future wasn't going to be in Tijuana, he moves back to Jalisco, uh, settling in Guadalajara, uh, where he just turns into a busker. At, you know, he, he's at the local mariachi plazas, just, you know, playing out there with his guitar case open, trying to, trying to earn a buck. Um, the, the precise timing here is fuzzy. Certain articles say he was 20, 21, 19, but you get the idea. Late, late teens, early 20s, you know. Um and around this time, two hugely monumental events happen in his life. Uh, in 1963, so he's 23 years old, um, he marries one of his neighbors there in Guadalajara, Maria del Refugio Abarca Villasenor, who becomes his wife and stays his wife till the day he dies. Um, and uh, she is widely known throughout Mexico as kind of like, the, the the first lady of Mexican music, you know. Um, the other thing that happens, though, is he loses his mom to cancer. She's 47 mm. years old mm. and he loses his mom to cancer. So he, he really sees like, okay, I don't have my mom here anymore, but I am married. I want to start a family. I'm getting some traction here in Jalisco. Like he's taking a part in, um, they're taking part in like radio programs. Um, he's starting to build local recognition. Uh, he does get his first paid show on a TV show, but he just, he, he knows that he has to get even bigger right, still. Right. 
And so Mexico City being the cultural center of the whole country, he's like, I got to go to Mexico City. I mean, it's it makes sense. We know that Mexico City is like this huge um, cultural center. Like even today, it is still like a huge city and a place of uh, all kinds of art and music and everything. So it, it makes sense. Like kind of like a Nashville of uh, of Mexico. Yeah, exactly. It, it's kind of like Nashville. LA and New York in one, yeah. you, you know, yeah. like it, it's all of those things. It's, it's your movie. It's your music. It's your Broadway. It's all of that Mexico city. It, it is the cultural center there. So, um, again, knowing that, uh, that has to be his next step. If he's going to seriously pursue music in 65, Chente moves to Mexico city where he is an instant success. And by instant success, I mean was completely unsuccessful. Insert Doctor <laughs> Doofenshmirtz here, you know. <laughs> like Perry, what an unexpected surprise! And by unexpected, I mean completely expected. Like I love Doctor Doofenshmirtz. He's hilarious. Okay. Yes. <laughs> they told me I should go sell peanuts. He would later recall. Oh no! Speaking about the uh, record labels that he tried to get in with. So I mentioned the Tres Gallos Mexicanos earlier. We, as we did talk about this a little bit in the Mariachi ep- episode, um, they, the three of them dominated the music scene in Mexico at that time. And instead of inspiring the record labels to go out and find the facsimiles, kind of like, you know, boy bands of the 90s, mm-hmm. these, these uh, the Tres Gallos Mexicanos actually prevented any other similar acts from becoming popular. I, I do remember talking Basically, about they, that, yeah. Yeah, they, they basically saturated the market and they're like, you know, the record labels are like, um, why why am I going to try and hire someone else to do what the best in the world are already doing for us? Yeah, like Anything not, not them these. is a waste of resources. Yeah, it, there's, you, you all are second rate copycats. And yeah. It's just a guess. I didn't read that, but that my guess is that's the thought process for them here, right? So I did mention that the third guy also released would make his appearance. Um, if you do remember the Mariachi episode, then you already know what happens. But in case you don't remember it, here's the story. Uh, Solis was the youngest of the Tres Gallos Mexicanos. The other two died young in the 50s. The 50s, not their 50s. Yeah. They actually, one was 39 and the other was like 42. Um, yet still in the mid-60s, Solis, the last one of the three, was still so popular that, again, performers like Chente were effectively locked out of signing any contracts. Like, they're like, we lost two of the three. We're still good with the one that we've got. Like, no, thanks, bud, but no, but no thanks. Um, this all changes in 1966 when at 34 years old, Solis also dies young uh, from complications due to gallbladder surgery. Now, all of a sudden, there's, there's an opening. So right. before Solis's death, Chenta is able to get on one of the biggest radio stations in the country. Still no record labels are signing him. Within days of Solis dying, his phone starts ringing off the hook. I don't know. I'm assuming they have phones back then, right? Okay, anyways. Yeah, his phone starts <laughs> ringing off the hook. Record companies come calling. Less than a week after Solis's death, Chenta signs a deal with CBS Records, which is today Sony Records, where he'll stay for his entire career. Literally, it was like, we need someone. Who do we got? Like, you know, get get your Rolodex out. Like, I got, I got someone. I got someone. Like, sign him. Now, Dude, get him. This is so weird to me because you'd think that, especially after the first two died young, you'd think that they'd be like, okay, 
these famous people aren't lasting very long. We might want to sign somebody to a cheap contract. And like, kind of like, like baseball players have the minor leagues where they, they have like 50 yeah, people that they pay, a, they pay yeah. a very little amount. And then when somebody's a superstar, then they can upgrade those guys to the major leagues. Like, why not have that in music? Uh, they, they do now. Well, and, but. I, I don't know this to be 100% true um, because I'm going off a recollection here. This isn't in my notes. I'm I'm 99.9% sure that at least one of them died from cirrhosis of the liver. The idea was they embodied a personification or a persona that was drinking tequila, was rough, was macho, was all that. If you drink enough tequila all the time, your body's going to shut down on you, buddy. You know, and so again, the the, pers- the 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 exact persona that they were meant to um, embody was one of someone that's probably going to get sick and die young. Right, you know? right. And so again, I know one of them died from cirrhosis. I'm, I'm 99% sure one of them died from cirrhosis. You know, uh, Solis died from gallbladder surgery. I don't know if that's alcohol related or not. I want to say that the other one also died of some alcohol related something. But yeah, they, they, they rode these guys hard. They drank hard. They like, you know, I, I guess, I don't know. You look back and you wonder how Johnny Cash lived as long as he did with all the, the pills and the booze. Right. You, you wonder how the Rolling Stones have lived as long as they have with all their drugs. But it, it doesn't it doesn't take a rocket science to, to figure out like, huh, if they keep living life like this, they may die young as well. You know, Gasp. Um, yeah. So um, his, his career still progresses slowly, though, although the three guys have all passed. He was still considered second fiddle to Jose Alfredo Jimenez. Um, Jimenez might get his own episode just in case he doesn't. I, I'm going to take. 30 seconds here. Okay. He was one of, if not the most prolific and successful songwriters in Mexican music history. Um, his music is considered the basis of modern Mexican music. He he wasn't necessarily as successful as a recording artist, but as a writer, and he, don't get me wrong, he was successful as a recording artist, but as a writer, he wrote over a thousand songs. Um, songs like Ella, songs like El Rey, uh, songs like Si Nos Dejan, um, he wrote all of those. El Rey later becomes one of Chente's biggest hits. He's known as El Rey de Ranchera because he, what he did for El Rey was what Whitney did for I Will Always Love. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, that's kind of what, what, what happened with that. Which, by si the way, if Dejan, you guys don't know, Whitney Houston did not uh, first perform yeah, I Will Dolly, Always Love. It's a Dolly Parton song. Yeah. Whitney, it's a Dolly Parton song. Whitney yeah. Houston just took it through the roof. And I think, God, talk about Dolly. I think, I'm not going to screw this up. I think she wrote that and Jolene like in the same night. Like two of just the biggest really? in music history. <laughs> and I think she wrote them both in the same night. Yeah. Um, you could tell but, that she, uh, so she yeah, was like, hurting for something at that point. Then if those are her two songs. Yeah. The, 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 the this is not a Dolly Parton uh, podcast, um, but it, she, she right, was it's breaking a Disney up podcast. with her. Yeah. <laughs> She, she was breaking up with her, her like manager and business partner. That's who she will always love for that. So that was the hurt she was going through with that. And Jolene, I think, was just made up. I yeah. think she just imagined a scenario and made it up. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so yeah, El Rey becomes one of Chente's biggest hits. Uh, si Nos Dejan later becomes the Mexican love song of TJ Valdez and Nicole Hernandez, actually. Oh, so, yeah. I was really surprised when I saw I was like, oh, whoa, he wrote that song too. Like those are my two of my favorite Mexican songs ever. And I didn't know he wrote them both. So that's this dude is yeah. like, oh, you know that one Mexican song? This dude probably wrote it. Yeah. Like, boom. It, yeah. 
Um, so anyways, like the guy was before him, Jimenez also dies early. Hmm. Wait, who could have seen that coming, right? Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> so he, he dies at 47 uh, in 1973, and here the fi- the window finally starts to open a little bit more for Chente. Um, he starts seeing more and more success in Mexico. His first few albums do combine to sell millions of copies. Um, he makes his movie debut in the musical comedy Tacos al Carbón in 1971. Um, but it wasn't until 1976 where he really takes off. This is a banner year for Chente, okay? He starts to see his childhood vision of becoming Pedro Infante come true with his first starring role in La Ley del Monte, the the law of the mountains. Um, and the title track from the movie also becomes a huge hit for Chente. I did not watch the movie, uh, but I did find its tagline. I love it. A man returns to the town of his birth after the war and finds that the love of his life is married to another man. <laughs> oh, oh. I love it. Like when when I hear La Ley del Monte, that's exactly what I'm thinking is going to yeah. happen in the movie. You know what I mean? When, when I when I know there's a big macho singing cowboy on the screen, yes, that's about what I'm thinking the movie is going to be about, right? That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm, I told then, you I got course, his Wikipedia open, and I don't know what the movie is, but there is one thing here, and he's just there naked with like a little towel covering his nethers, <laughs> and like the dude is wearing a sweater, but he's not wearing a sweater. Like I mean, like that, <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, he looks like Eugene Levy, right? I, like, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. Um. So in 76, uh, something else happens. Um, let me let me find my notes. Okay. Oh, that's right. Um, he releases a song called Volver, Volver. Yeah, that, that's it. what happens. Yeah, and um, he just skyrockets. Just his star just <laughs> blows up. He is almost overnight an international superstar at this point mm-hmm. because Volver, Volver just resonates. Um as the LA Times call LA Times calls it a staple of Latin American song and drunken late night revelry, and that is so true. Like if, if you've ever been at like a house in the barrio at like twelve thirty one o'clock at night or in the morning, I guess, and the the Bud Lights and or tequila is flowing, you will hear this song oh. if not on the radio coming out of somebody's mouth at least. Right. Like just it is present. It. Like yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to to, to um, give credit where credit is due, the song is written by Fernando Maldonado. So yes, I just Fernando Z Maldonado. When I when I uh, learned that Elvis Presley also didn't write the majority of his songs. In fact, the vast majority of his songs were written by black men who were then just overlooked and overseen. I've always been like when because Michael Jackson was also the same way. He didn't write most of his songs, so I'm always a guy that's I like he did. No, not, like he was yeah, a lot of his songs he did not write. So uh, I just, I, I'm always like, okay, but who actually wrote it? Who actually wrote it? So, yeah. I, I've got another one for you, but we'll bring him up later. Yeah. Um, so b- before this, the ranchera singer was macho, which Chente was macho. He was baritone and smooth, which Chente was. Mm. He had a big mustache, a bigger hat, and a hairy chest, which Chente <laughs> Did, and he never cried, which Chente did. Ooh. Chente 
cried, right? So here, Steve, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you produce. You have to cut in the second verse of "Y me muero por volver," and you can hear him crying. Yeah, literally, like "por volver," like cut in right here. <laughs> Oh man, that was that was so much emotion. It's moving. It's touching. It's awesome. Yeah. Right. So he not only embodies the. Um, sorry, I lost my place because I was looking ahead at something else. Um, he not only embodies the the Mexican machismo that the country loves and expects out of their their stars, but he does it in this vulnerable way, like. He gave guys permission to love. He, mm, he gave them mm. permission to feel, but without all that, like, you know, wishy-washy, touchy-feely, fruity type stuff. More, more on that later. Um, just pure love and loss. A sensitive, macho man. And more and more as I read about what sets him apart from the other performers, what, what, what makes his star climb so much, it's this. It's that he... Um, Article after article after article, they call out how he's able to expose his vulnerability to sing with such passion and emotion, yet still remain that bastion for machismo. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, he's he's still like a man's man, but damn it, his heart hurts. Yeah, and that's okay, you know. <laughs> and, and funny enough, that was novel. Like they're yeah. like, whoa, men can feel, you know, <laughs> like. I, I don't know if you watch Sunny, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but it's it's a movie about terrible, or it's a show sure. about terrible, terrible people. Yeah. One of them is, the, the running bit is that he's, um, uh, uh, what's the, the politically correct term for psychopath? Um, uh, gosh. Dissoci- no, not dissociative. Um, no, not the real one, but the, the other one. But, you know, basically sociopath? He, he, Sociopath, yeah. That, that he's the the kind of running bit is that he's a sociopath. And there's one episode where he's like, yeah, "You guys remember feelings, right? Like from when you were a kid." And they're like, <laughs> "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, you, you know, feelings, like like feelings, like you used to have as a kid." And they're like, "I have feelings every day." They're like, y- "You have feelings? Like that's what a Mexican man was supposed to be <laughs> before Chente was like feelings." No, oh, that's when I was a kid. What? Like through those yeah. feelings, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. But but that that's what sets him apart. It really is. Um, I, I I've got a ton of quotes. I I picked a good time to do this because he died just a year ago, mm-hmm. and good lord, the the obits out there about him were plentiful. So good grief, I have a lot of like little quotes from the obituaries. Um, I, I I've said a couple already. I'm going to do most of them at the end. But here's another. Um, he would sing these songs with so much pathos and so much emotion that grown men would cry and he would cry. Perhaps because he was such a macho man and he could cry, that made him all the more iconic and legendary. So he is the absolute image of Mexican masculinity. Equal parts cowboy, Latin lover, crooner. He's he's John Wayne, Burt Reynolds, and Frank Sinatra all, all rolled into one. one. Oh, and in a charro suit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Talk about buckling the knees, awesome. man. Whoo, the- <laughs> right? Yes. He, he is literally all of that. Um, so another big part of his appeal 
is his connection to his humble beginnings. Uh, like a lot of American country singers singing about life on the farm or the ranch, he sang about working class and rural lifestyles, not because it sold, but because that's where he was from. He, he grew up on a struggling dairy farm. He, he did all of those blue collar jobs before he turned 18. Like mm-hmm. he knew what it was like to struggle. Right. So, um, yeah, he, he, he the, the, the dude was a shoe shiner, a bricklayer, a dishwasher, and oh yeah, a dairy farmer all before most people graduate high school. You know, so he had this authentic, uh, this authenticism about him. Excuse me, Albert. Um, and additionally, he found huge support in the States because Mexican immigrants would hear his music and they'd remember what it was like back mm-hmm. home in their small Mexican towns, their their rancheras, you know, back home before they left to pursue, uh, or the ranchas, I mean, uh, before they left to pursue the opportunities up in Gringolandia. Um, so... As the music and tastes changed as fads come and go, he stayed constant. Um, his genuine emotion, his authentic portrayal of the ideal macho Mexican man enabled him to stay true of who he was without becoming shtick or caricature. He just, he never changed. He, he yeah. just was him. Because that's who he was. He didn't was. try to go rock and roll. Yeah, he didn't try to go rock and roll. He didn't, oh, let me, let me, you know, do a song with Pitbull, you know, over right. here. Like, no, <laughs> he, he just was him. And as I uh, mentioned before, his popularity extended into movies. He starred in over 30 films and many with titles like El Macho, Todo Un Hombre, All a Man. He was a man. Okay, okay. But when you ask, when you say something like that, it has to come up of... You know, the men's men, the man's man at the time, I would often have like affairs or like also be womanizers or whatever else. Was this also uh, uh, Vicente, Vicente yeah, Fernandez I, thing? I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I would feel disingenuous doing the whole episode without bringing this stuff mm-hmm. up. Um, it, I didn't know where to put it in. So I'm glad you asked now because I can at least shove it in here. Um, it didn't fit in the narrative anywhere. It didn't fit in the story anywhere, but it, it has to at least be brought up. Um, so uh, I do have notes on it. Let me see where I, I believe in you. Um, okay. Yeah. So yes, uh, like you said, uh, and unsurprisingly yet, unfortunately, given his age, the era he grew up in, right. the, the machismo personality, um, he did have a few controversies with regards to antiquated worldviews. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> This is worded very carefully. Oh, no. I really liked how the article wrote this. Oh, so no. I'm going to actually quote it. Um, in 2019, Fernandez himself gave an interview to De Primera Mano, a Mexican entertainment news show where he described, where he described, this is him talking, where he described receiving a cancer diagnosis in 2012 after doctors found a tumor on his liver. And I, I keep repeating the fact that these are his words because a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. But somehow he said it and I don't even know why he said it. But he says, he said they suggested he get a liver transplant, which he rejected saying, I'm not going to sleep next to my woman with the organ of another man. What? Not knowing if he was a homosexual or a drug addict. Drug addict. What? <laughs> what? So there's a few things wrong with this. A few? Well, the obvious, right? Okay. <laughs> um, also, 
I read other like articles that have interviews with doctors and they're like, so he, they told him he needed a liver and he said, no, I'm not going to have a gay guy or, or addicts liver in me. I'm leaving and leaves. And the doctors are like, that isn't, that doesn't track. Like <laughs> we don't recommend transplants lightly. We don't say, Hey, I have an idea. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Or you get a transplant. They're like a transplant is literally the last option. Right. And then he's walking away from it. And oh yeah, living another nine years after that. Like, and then he's like, oh yeah, no, no. I left because I didn't want a, a homosexual or addict's liver. So I went to Chile and got a new liver there or they removed my liver there. And then his son comes out and he's like, no, 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 no. Like, ha my dad didn't mean what he said. Um, it was actually Chicago where he got that taken care of. And his music is for everyone. And I'm like, wait, why does it matter whether it was Chicago or Chile? Like, because they both start with CHI. Like, wait, what? Like, why is this a thing right now? But he said this. He comes out on was, TV is and he says, had to fight a heterosexual man and pull his liver out of his body with his bare hands. With his bare hands. That, that's yeah, the only hands, only yeah. liver that he would take. <laughs> <laughs> because he knew he wasn't an addict either. Right, yeah, right, right, know? right, yeah. Um, so none, the story doesn't add up, yet it came literally from his mouth. Like, and So it's not even that, like, that dude, it might why? be false. It's, okay, It's a. why would you even lie about that, though? Like, why is that? And why would you lie why? about that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you telling on yourself, dude? Like... So apparently he did have in, in all of the obits say like, oh, after struggling with, you know, liver cancer earlier. So it's generally accepted that he probably did have liver cancer. Not really sure how they, they addressed it, because, again, the doctors say like, no, you can't just cut it out. Like if we're telling you you need a transplant, we're beyond cutting it out. But then later it's like, oh, never mind. We just cut it out and we're good. It's like, um, what? And wait, what? No, homo. What? Like TJ. Can you, so anyways, can you yeah. can you imagine this conversation? He sits down and he's not afraid of showing emotion. So a tear streams down his face and he looks at his son and he says, Mijo, I have gay liver. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they gave me a gay liver, Mijo. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh my I don't God. I don't know who I am anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think I'm going to go to the school and pray on little children now. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, wait, what? What are like, you talking that's about, like the man? Same thing. Yes. Like, <laughs> so the, the son did try to walk it back. Like he, he did kind of do the like, no, his music is for everybody. But I think it's pretty clear what his world, what his view on homosexuality was outdated, problematic. Womp, like, womp. okay. Um, unfortunately, that's not his only controversy. Oh, no. So, oh, no. Um, oh, no. <laughs> he, he he did have an incident where he groped a fan's breast while posing for a photograph. And he did not appreciate uh, the photo. It. No, I, that's the <laughs> No, no, it was after he got his gay liver. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then he was like, I'm sorry, it's my gay liver. I can't help it sometimes. <laughs> so uh the photo does exist. It's pretty oh, easy to no. find if you Google it. Um, he later apologized, and I love his apology, man. He's like, hey, man, I post for a lot of pictures. I don't know. I don't remember taking this. Like, I was probably just joking, but I don't remember, so I don't, really don't know that I was joking. But I was probably joking, but I don't remember. Like, that was pretty much his apology. And he was like, oh, sorry about that. He's like, like he did actually say 80 sorry. years old here, too. Like, he is yeah, not a yeah, young oh, yeah, man yeah, in yeah, this yeah. picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And he's like, honk, honk. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, I said pretty easy to find if you look for it. And 10 seconds later, Steve found yep. it. It is pretty easy yeah, to find absolutely. if you look for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were more than a couple of rumors about extramarital affairs. As far as rock stars go, unfortunately, that's probably par for the course almost, yeah. you know, or like the least surprising of all of them. Of course, he denies all of those. Although I did read one article, man, there were so many articles on him. So I, I lost a bunch of them. Yeah. A lot of them were translated. And so, but there was one article that did say like, oh yeah, he had a son from this lady in Las Vegas who he eventually said, sure, he's my son. And he claimed him. But then later the DNA test showed that he wasn't. So he's like, never mind, never mind. I didn't have sex with her. Just kidding. <laughs> like, you know, like. <laughs> yes, that's my son. Wait, no, it's not. Yeah. It couldn't be because. I've never <laughs> had an affair before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, these are all laughy jokies, but uh, there was uh, in 2021, he was accused of sexual assault. <sighs> that was alleged to have occurred around sometime in the early seventies. Um, this is a difficult one. Okay. Um, I read several articles, all of them translated from Spanish, either by me using Google translate or, or by whoever published the article. Right. Like it, it's really clear when you read it, it wasn't written in English. Even if I read it in English, it was clear that it wasn't, it, it was right. the, you know, yeah. Anyways, you, you get it. Um, so because of that, it's really difficult for me to determine exactly what happened. It sounds like he gave someone alcohol and had sex with her when she was young and he was younger and she didn't, you know, she, she kind of said like, Hey, he, he got me drunk to have sex with me. Um, but, because I only saw that in one of the articles and because everything was translated, I don't really want to get into this much more. Um, I, okay. Let me say this. I'm not in the habit of not believing women. We should listen to women. We should believe women, all of it. Um, considering my own language barrier, the severity of the accusations, if you're curious about it, her name is Lupita Castro. You can look it up. Lupita Castro, Vicente Fernandez, do a Google search of those two names. You'll find some articles. If you want to know the details, look them up. Um, I want you to draw your own conclusions. I, I like to believe women. This, this whole thing was very odd. I'm mm. just going to say that the whole, and again, I blame part of that on the fact with the language barrier. I, I couldn't right. read a lot of them. It, it read awkwardly. So yeah, anyways, um, I'm glad you brought it up. All of that needed to be said. I, I didn't want to whitewash it and pretend like he was a perfect human being. Uh, so yeah, uh, so I'm glad we got it out and awkward transition. So he, back he was an incredible vocalist, an incredible singer, and that he, you can also be a bad person while those things are true. Like that's something that I think and, a lot of people uh, yeah. uh, like don't give credit to is Hey, you can say this person is very talented and they are incredible and their music is iconic in our culture. And also he was clearly not a great person. And that's, well, and I don't even want to say that because if you go back to the Kings of the like 1600s and all their mistresses, would you say they were terrible people? Yeah, probably yes. for different reasons, though. <laughs> but, but you know, not necessarily for the mistresses because it was like, par for the course for the day. Like if, if you heard that, you know, Mick Jagger had sex with 4,000 women, it's like, okay, sure. He did like, it, it's maybe, the, the consensual part of it is where it gets me. And there, there's not a time well, period where unconsensual, I would say that makes you an okay thousand person. percent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't agree with you more, but read the articles. No, Again, I saw I, the I, picture I of him groping a woman. I, I literally okay, looked at a picture. Part, though. 
<laughs> but, no, let's not talk know, about that one. <laughs> I'm talking about the the assault. But yes, yeah, and and I don't know that the picture was not consensual. Actually, no, they. I think she came out later and she said, yes. I didn't ask him to do that." You know, but I want to throw yeah. things at you so, through the screen. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyways, um, let's yeah, let's get back to him celebrating his music and his achievements yes. and describing what made him the icon <laughs> he was. So, um, we are probably now in about the 1980s. Um, I would say where he's really starting, kind of on the road to his peak. I'm going to be honest. Timeline doesn't really matter that much from here because he's just awesome and continues to be awesome. Um, most of the articles just keep listing evidence for how awesome he was, right. all the enormous venues he sold out, um, or why he was so beloved. Many articles reference his operatic voice and his velvety baritone. He was all of that. He, he sold out the biggest you know stadiums in the world, biggest ones in Mexico, great voice, all of that. Literally, the rest of my notes could kind of just be bullet points. Um, that said, I do want to make a couple of timeline stops along the way. Um, in the 80s, he adopts a girl. It's his wife's sister's daughter, so kind of his niece by marriage. Um, so in addition to his three biological sons, he's got four kids. Well, in addition to them, he's got one. So he's got three biological sons and a daughter. And she is, as she should be since she was adopted, as much a part of the family as anybody else. Right. The, the boys refer to her as her sister. He refers to her as his daughter. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, hey, my wife's sister's in a, in a, in a place. Come on. Yep. Come on, Mia. Absolutely. You're, you're part of my family. Yeah. Now. Let's do it. That's awesome. You know? And again, that's why, that, that's why I really hesitate calling him a bad dude. I don't know that he was a bad dude. He seems like a good dude for most things, except for a handful of things that he made some very poor decisions. Anyways, speaking of his sons um, in 1988, like truly right around the peak of his popularity, uh, his son, Vicente Fernandez Jr. gets kidnapped, held for ransom for almost four months. Wow. Like 121 days he's gone. All right. So fearing for his son's life, he follows all of the kidnappers instructions. Doesn't tell the police, doesn't tell the public. In fact, he goes on touring while trying to raise the three plus million dollars demanded by the kidnappers for ransom. Jeez. Just goes on touring, just keeps doing what he's doing because he has to keep yeah. up his, his, you know, um, his outward appearance that everything is fine. So getting impatient because, you know, it's been like four months. They cut off two of Junior's fingers and send them to Chente. What? So... That apparently delivers the proper motivation and he ends up coming up with the money and they release his son. Like it kind of, kind of has a happy ending. He doesn't tell anyone about this until he's, his son is released. And after the release, he puts out a statement saying that despite everything, he is never leaving Mexico. His quote about the kidnappers, may God forgive them. And hopefully I'll never find out who they were. (laughs) Can you imagine like the machismo icon, like looking at the camera and saying, and hopefully I never find out who you are. (laughs) (laughs) But, but his refusal to leave Mexico, despite the the dangers there just endears him to, to his fans that much more. They're like, he is our dude. Like, and he's going to be here. Like no matter what, like they kidnapped his damn boy and he's still going to be fingers here. Off. Like, you know, and cut his fingers off. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- <laughs> I think his son was probably like 20 at this point in time too. It's not like he was like seven. Right. They were like, Hey, look, there's that dude. Let's kidnap him. Cause his dad's famous. So anyway, um, so he goes on to win three Grammys, uh, one for best regional Mexican album, um, in 2010, in 2010, is his first one. 
He did Volver, Volver in 1976, and he wins his first Grammy in 2010. When they ask him about it, he's like, yeah, they just wanted to keep nominating me, so that way I kept coming around and people would want to come see me. (laughs) They know if they actually give me the award that it'd be like, oh, we gave it to him. We don't have to honor him anymore. So, yeah, they just wanted to keep nominating me so I'd be here so so they could live off of my shine. And I'm like, I love this dude. I love this dude, right? Wow. Um, he wins another one in 2015 for the same category. He wins one in 2017 um, for his final stage performance. Um, and uh, from from 1989 to 2014, he's awarded eight Latin Grammys, 14 Premios Los Nuestro Awards, which is like the real Latin Grammys, like from actual like Mexican people or, or Latin yeah. people. Um, one of them is a Lifetime Achievement or Lifetime Recognition Award. Um, he wins a handful of Billboard Awards. He's got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Like, he's a big deal, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, a, a, a huge part of his popularity is also his persona while on stage. I love this part. Um, he would play small venues. They they talk about him playing cockfighting arenas even. <laughs> um, yep. Um, as well as the biggest arenas in all of Mexico. Uh, his last concert ever was a free concert in Mexico's largest arena, sitting over 80,000 people. Mm. He was so charismatic that it was said he could simply flash a smile and the entire plates would go nuts. Just <laughs> go crazy, right? Um, perhaps most famously, though, he was known to say that as long as the audience kept applauding, your chente won't stop singing. <gasps> so here's a couple of more excerpts, okay? He was also the quintessential symbol of the Mexican macho. His thick mustache dyed black long, or dyed black long after his hair had turned white right. was punctuation under the brim of his shoulder-wide sombreros. At concerts, he wore a gold-plated pistol on his hip and sang for hours, drenching himself in sweat. Just as it appeared he might be wrapping up, he'd take a swig of tequila and sing some more. (laughs) Another article says, frequently, that would mean a marathon of three or four hours, leaving him bathed in sweat, soaked by kisses, and showered with booze. Like, (laughs) this is my man! I love this dude! (laughs) Man... I mean, that- at least one article I read reported that he once had to pay $30,000 to the venue because he went so long over the allotted time for his show. <laughs> Man, really what it's showing is, and, you know, whether you think this is a good or a bad thing, whatever, but this dude was, he lived confidence. Like he, he. Yeah, the dude loved himself and knew what he had, and like the, he, he loves me some me. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing that could convince chente him. Chente loved him some chente. <laughs> um. So uh, another crazy note: although his career peaks in his fifties, a that by itself, how many people do you know peak in their fifties? Like <laughs> this, like entertainers, like other than Tom Cruise, which I don't even know if we've reached his peak yet because Top Gun Maverick was awesome. I haven't seen it Anyways, yet. I want to see it. Um, anyway. Oh my God, it's so good. Anyways, uh, so although his career peaks in his 50s, at the end of the last century, he never stopped making music. Even after his farewell concert, he went back home, continued to record songs. Um, oh, I have, 
I don't know what the hell I was trying to write here. His butt he continues. I don't know what the heck I was trying His to say. His butt Anyways, continues to um, this day. Yeah. <laughs> His iconic butt. It's just like when TJ was talking about Selena, Vincente Fernandez's butt will go down in history. Hey, that is an iconic butt right there. I'm not going to lie. All right. Um, so he, he continues to put albums out into his 17s, into, into his 70s, okay? Including 17 albums after he turned 60. Jeez. <laughs> Talk about prolific. No okay? joke. Um, Non-stop. The last album he was working on before he died was titled In My 80s. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so we talked about his authentic cowboy persona. Uh, that didn't stop when he became famous. He didn't all of a sudden be like, huh, I'm white collar dude now. Like, you know, whatever. He built a ranch of over a thousand acres. I think one article said it was like 20, uh, 1,250 acres, right? Named Rancho Los, Tros, Los Tres Potrillos. I'd never seen the word potrillos before. And it, it doesn't fit well on my tongue. It took me a few times saying it, potrillos. Mm-hmm. Um it means the three foals, ranch of the three foals, named after his three sons. Ah. Um, and speaking of his sons, two of them, in- including all eight fingers, um, followed him into music. Uh, Alejandro was being was the most successful, though not Vicente Jr. Um, and his last live performance was at the Latin Grammys with his son Alejandro and Alejandro's son Alex Jr. So it was three generations of Fernandeses on stage and that happened to be his last performance ever which is pretty damn cool yeah, right yeah like good on him yeah. um i didn't say this before he's got three kids three boys right vicente who got his fingers chopped off alejandro who's the most successful singer the other i think his name's gabriel if i remember right that's saying a lot um, right there <laughs> there there were rumors that he might have been behind vicente jr's kidnapping that 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 he might have had ties to the 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 cartels. No. I don't know if that's true or not. Again, I ran into a lot of articles translated from Spanish, and I don't know if that's like you know the Weekly World News website that I saw that right, said right. that, or, or 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 maybe not even Weekly World News. Maybe it was National Enquirer or TMZ, yeah. you know, website that I saw that said that. Or I don't know if it was Mexico's New York Post or or which would be just one step better or New York Times. I, I don't know. It could have been any of those. I'm not familiar with the Mexican language publications. All I know is I saw at least one, if not two articles that said that there are at least rumors that that son was the one that was response or at least involved in so anyways, this, this yeah, guy's life would make a heck of a movie man with like ah. sons oh oh okay there have been two since his death uh uh portrayals of his life one is the unauthorized version which is a spanish language version made by some South American country I don't remember and his family didn't like it because mm. it showed his whole life um, it showed the kidnapping. Yeah. It aired his dirty laundry. And their point was like, and I don't know, like I, I see both sides of it, but I think it also, again, talking about coming from a time, their point is like, you know what, man, we didn't talk about like JFK sleeping with Marilyn Monroe back then. It just, it's something you didn't talk about it. I would prefer if you didn't talk about all the, the bad, like dirty laundry in his life. Like, let's just not. That said, that's not where we are today. Today, we accept, not accept people, but we understand that people are flawed human beings. And and we do expect, you know, not a whitewashed version of their history. But that said, Netflix did do a whitewashed version of his history, apparently, that the family did approve of. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be pretty good. 
but yeah, the, the, his his life story I think is very interesting. Um, excuse me, uh, the the man personified Mexico, right? Yeah. Um, he he embodied the very sound that is Mexico, the very music that's synonymous with Mexican identity. When when you think of Mexican music, when you think of mariachi, when you think of ranchera, you think of Vicente Fernandez, you think of Chente, like it is him. So um, I'm just about done. Here's here's a few more quotes about him and his legacy. Um, Our mustaches look a lot said, alike, mine and his. I'm looking at myself in the camera and him over here. He and I have very similar. Let me see mustaches. your chest. Open your shirt up. Let me see your chest. Hey, no, it, it looks like <laughs> for me. It looks like the bat symbol. That's my chest. <laughs> <laughs> um, sad news today. We lost the amazing, legendary Vicente Fernandez this morning. One of my heroes. May he rest in peace, and may God bless and comfort his family. Hasta la cruz, gente, until the cross, until, you know, uh, I, I see you on the other side. Yeah. George Strait. Whoa. And so I don't remember why earlier I said, I'll touch on that later. I don't remember if it was a cowboy thing, um, but you said something and I was like, wait, 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 I'll touch on right. that later. But it, the, the, my, they called him Sinatra. They called him Elvis. I see him as George Strait coincidentally enough also known as king george you know mm -hmm. the, the king mm -hmm. just like you know uh vicente fernandez is known as Erre. he's the king as well they're country music stars they both grew up with ranching in their family you know i i think uh george Strait's dad was like a teacher or something but they owned a ranch and he would go there in summers and on weekends and he would work the ranch like he was a real man of the people right and sing about it and and when garth brooks was um and when garth brooks was going pop and going rock George Strait was just, no, nah, man, I'm going to do country music, like country, country music, the way Chente did. And he never became like a laughingstock or a joke or like, oh, my God, he's adhering to the old ways. Like, you know, what a dummy. Like, right. no, like he's revered like Chente is. Like, I, I see a lot of similarities there. And that's what you were talking about earlier was also not writing their own music. Uh, George Strait famously, I don't know the dude's name. I should, cause he should be the same as George Strait, but he has like a specific songwriter that he's worked with throughout his whole career. Pretty much that uh, Elton John, he's like, you write them, I'll sing them. Elton John. Is yeah. The like Elton way. John. Yeah. yeah with, with Bernie um, Sanders Madoff. No, wait. Yeah. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Topin. I think his name, I think it's Bernie Topin, but yeah, like, like Elton John, you know, these guys are just good performers and the idea is you do what you're good at. I'll do what I'm good at. And, and I, to me, that's the best comparison is he's the Mexican George Strait, or maybe, maybe more aptly, George Strait is the American Vicente Fernandez. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Um, here's a couple other quotes. Uh, he represents the maintenance of a culture, the heart and soul of the masses. You want to feel proud of who you are. You want to tell your kids what it is to be Mexican and to never lose it. All you have to do is listen to Vicente. Man. <laughs> it's that, that was a UCLA professor that said that. Um, from the Wall Street Journal. No night in a Mexican cantina is complete without tequilas, mariachis, and a rendition of Mr. Fernandez's songs. Mm. From the New York Times. The night doesn't begin to end until someone starts pouring tequila, plays this song, and belts out a grito in their best chente voice, operatic <laughs> and soaring. With a tinge of melancholy. Dude, 
the, the, the Times, the Wall Street Journal, like these are the publications yeah. that are writing about it because, yeah, he, he is the Mexican Sinatra. He is the Mexican Elvis, you know. Um, my favorite of them all, though, and you mentioned this earlier that this guy just oozes um, confidence, yeah. right? I one of one of my favorite songs of all time. We talked about it a couple times already. It's it's second to me to Volver Volver, but one of my favorite songs of all time is El Re. And go look up the words and go look up the uh, translation of it if you need to. Uh, funny enough, I, I there was an NPR uh, uh, radio interview that I was listening to where a Mexican person was explaining to the white Jewish host like what it is. And they're like, yeah, basically the song's saying like, hey, I'm broke. I don't have a throne. I don't have a queen, but I do whatever I want and I'm the king. And he's like, and, and the Jewish guy is like, oh, I get it. He's being ironic. <laughs> and the girl's like, nope. no, he's not. <laughs> no, like, <nope. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, no, he, he doesn't have any of that. And so what? Yeah. I will still be the king. Sigo siendo el re is, is the line. Sigo siendo el re is the, is the line in the song. So here's my favorite quote. From Chente himself, likely knowing that his health was failing, days before his death, he posts on Instagram and he says, don't give up on your dreams. Dedicating my life to singing was the best decision I could have ever made. And he finishes it off with, Chente sigue siendo erre. <laughs> Referencing the line from one of his most famous songs saying, Chente is still the king. <laughs> Dies days later. Oh God. my gosh, man. So, so here clip in, Pero sigo siendo el rey. Put it right here. No tengo trono ni reina, ni nadie que me comprenda. Pero sigo siendo el rey. There it is. All right. <laughs> and that's like... It, it's it's easily one of my favorite songs because of that, because of the confidence that, you know, it, it's just amazing. I love him. I love everything about the music. Um, I, I I don't love that I found the uncomfortable parts in there. It disappointed me. It, you know, it did. But yeah, he, he's his, his persona, his music. Everything is just amazing. Um, yeah, that, that's me. That's my story for today. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I mean, his music is iconic. Like, there's no denying that. And even just because I want to make sure I don't forget. So I'm going to YouTube to now to get these songs. And like, just it's listing other ones. And I'm like, oh, man, I just got to I got to make a playlist, man. I got to make a playlist and listen to this stuff. But uh, thank you all again for listening. We appreciate your support. We want to say a really big thank you to our cousin Nick for our theme song, The Pocho Podcast. Uh, check him out on Instagram. Uh, he is geo underscore N-I-C-K-Y underscore geo. That's go Nikki go on Instagram. And make sure you follow us on all of our socials, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at The Pocho Pod. And uh, email uh, thepochopod at gmail.com. I'm never going to be smooth at this part ever. <laughs> uh, and then uh, like, rate, follow, subscribe, review, five stars, comment, say these guys are dumb and TJ never gets the last part right. But give us five stars anyways. <laughs> I don't care what you say. As long as you give us a review, as long as you give us five stars, go into the Apple store give us five stars on all of the, the devices there. Grab your sister's phone, grab your cousin's phone, grab, see that guy, see, see that, that dude, dude right there. Get see him. that dude, get him. 
get him. Go get his phone and, and leave us a review on, on Apple Podcasts right now. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Hasta luego, Ned. Gracias por listening, or however you'd say that. <laughs>